90% of the population do want to make some sort of change. But if no one ever asks me and yeah. no one ever offers me a bit of help, I might never make it. So it's about being aware that most people do want to do something, but they're not quite sure what. But it's the way this conversation is structured. It's very respectful. The first thing is asking permission to talk about it. And that's more than recovered in the training. Welcome to another edition of the HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. My name is Eamon Kyo. Today we are talking about making every contact count, or MEC as it is referred to within the HSE. This is a program where we're working to ensure that all healthcare professionals give their patients and service users health advice and healthy information as standard, encouraging them and advising them on ways they can improve their health. So we are literally trying to make every contact count. With all the engagement opportunities the HSE has with members of the public, we want to use that to support healthy behaviour change. Our guests today are going to talk to us about what MEC looks like on the ground. I'm delighted to be joined today by Mo Foley, a MEC mobiliser based in HSE Midwest Community Healthcare, covering Limerick, Clare and North Tipperary. Hi Mo. Hi Eamon. And Louise Crowley, Physiotherapy Manager, Limerick Primary Care. You're both very welcome. Thanks, Eamon. Mo, I might come to you first. What did you think of my description of MEC? Did I describe it properly? I think that's a very fair description, Eamon. I suppose what I would say is that MEC and making every contact count is all about healthcare staff recognising their role and the opportunities they have day to day to raise the issue of health behaviour change and very importantly in a supportive and empowering way. When I think about making every contact count and explaining it to people, there are four key aspects or four key messages. Firstly, making every contact count is about prevention. Yeah. Secondly, it's about using existing interactions that are happening day to day and just adding value, getting the most out of them and making the work that HSE staff, healthcare professionals across the country are doing even better again. Thirdly, making every contact count is about brief conversations. It isn't a big, long intervention. It's not a big, long piece or time consuming piece. It's those brief conversations and so much change can happen in those. And it's then in those brief conversations, we want to make that big difference with all those brief bits because they all add up to become quite a large scale intervention for chronic disease prevention. And fourthly, making every contact count is for everyone. It isn't just for nurses. It isn't just for GPs. It isn't just for physiotherapists. It's for all um, healthcare staff across Ireland and across the Midwest to help people make healthier Mm. choices by seeking support and taking action to improve their own lifestyle. Yeah, actually, that was one thing that struck me in looking at the MEC framework. And I think it goes back to 2016, where a figure of 30 million contacts a year across healthcare professionals. I know that included GPs as well, but I mean, that's a phenomenal amount, isn't it? It's a phenomenal number of day to day interventions the whole time across the whole health service. And making every contact count then is about I'm going in there and I'm, I have a pain in my back or I have a pain in my stomach or a pain in my shoulder. But there might be the opportunity while I'm with the health professional to look at some aspect of my behaviour, which will keep me better for longer and maybe prevent chronic disease or help me manage my chronic disease better. And I know later we'll talk about the different themes, but we're talking about smoking, healthy eating, physical activity, alcohol, drugs, mental health and well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Louise, you're a physiotherapy manager in Limerick. When did you first hear about MEC? 
I took a post as physiotherapy manager in Limerick in April 2021. And as part of my preparation for taking on the role, I had read the National Service Plan. And as part of that, it was evident that MEC was a key component of the Slaunch Care Programme. And it was a key component in terms of a longer term vision for health promotion within Ireland. I had discussed this with a senior physiotherapist on the team and she took this on board as an objective to look further into it. To be honest, I wasn't 100% OFA with the MEC background and training, etc. Mm. So this senior physiotherapist uh, took it on board and she planned an in-service with the staff outlining the key components of MEC. She completed the modules and she gave her reflections on her thoughts and how we could implement it as a team. And that really set the scene for us. Right. As a physio team in Limerick. Yeah. And I suppose just taking you back when you looked at the service plan and you read about MEC, what was your initial reaction? Coming from a background of being a physio and working clinically for years, from my experience, you know, the health service works extremely hard, is a very dedicated service. But at times we can be very much firefighting and being very reactive. And I suppose I felt that this was a real vision on being proactive in our approach to health and really focusing on the longer term vision for health and well-being in Ireland. And I think it's more important now than ever due to the the COVID pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And Mo, just going to your role as a MEC mobilizer, could you tell us briefly what that involves? I think most people ask that question because the mobilizer, what on earth is that? Yeah. The idea of the MEC mobilizer, the term was chosen nationally because they wanted somebody to be in the role that was active, engaged, making stuff happen. There's an energy around the term mobilizer movement. Mm. So that's the name MEC mobilizer. But other people would understand program lead. So I'm the program lead for making every contact count in the Midwest. Yeah. So this is about taking a national HSE priority program. Yeah. It's a grand idea nationally. It's to make it happen in the Midwest, hence the name mobilizers. We're moving, we're making MEC happen. So what does that mean? That means me engaging with senior managers, managers to agree to releasing their staff to do the training and then agreeing. Louise needed to agree to her staff being released to do training. And then Louise needed to agree to make MEC happen. When I say implement or make MEC happen at a very frontline level, I'm talking about that staff complete the training, the e-learning and the face-to-face training, that staff then do regular brief interventions or these brief conversations that I mentioned earlier on a range of topics that are covered through the training. Yeah. Very importantly, staff then need to record the brief interventions in the patient notes no more than they would record an intervention for any area of healthcare. So it's part of clinical practice and needs to be recorded. It is good practice to record. That's a bit of an ask because you have to look at your paperwork and have your documentations and your processes in place. But it's a very important aspect. A fourth part then of making MEC happen day to day is then what do you do with this information? Mm. So there has to be a way of gathering some of that information to inform the service, to improve the service. So there's learning. It'll keep improving and then just to ensure that the quality of the interventions is good enough. That's what I mean. And my job then is to have managers agree to this big ask yeah, because it is an ask, but it's a very valuable long term evidence informed ask that has the potential to greatly improve the Mm. health and well-being of the population of Ireland. So how did you go about doing that? Well, first thing we had to just figure it out and there were a few mistakes, trials and errors to start with. But since then, the learning we got in the Midwest 
as well as learning around the country and learning with the likes of Louise, especially in the early days, is now captured in a national guidance document. So everything I'm speaking to can be found online in hse.ie in the National Implementation Guidance Document. Yeah. But I needed to understand the services, find out where the managers were, how the system was. Then I contacted the managers. So I remember phoning up Louise. Louise now was an easy sell because they'd all the work done the year before. So it was, oh, it was great. They we were fully on board. But then it's to have senior managers think about this. My learning, though, has been that you're better off trying to get the managers towards the end of the year so that they're ready to commit it in the new year when they're work planning. Going Mm. to people in July was tricky, Mm. but going to people in September, October, November, then managers could look at putting this into their work plans for the following year. So after managers have agreed to their staff doing the training, to their staff doing brief interventions regularly, to recording them, And having a system, because that's quite an ask. Mm. I then would assign a health promotion improvement officer who will work with the service to develop an action plan, an implementation plan to how they're going to make MEC happen in their service. There's an idea that the HSE is one big uniform body and everyone does things the same. Mm. Far from it. Yeah. So each service has to look at what will work for them. So just a very small example, physiotherapy service would have their records done paper based. Mm. So they needed a system that works with their existing paperwork, whereas another service, a dietary service in the Midwest, they're not paper based. They had to fit it into their online system. And each service has to figure out how it work with their existing processes. Yeah. Otherwise, it won't last. OK. So we would work then with each service to develop an action plan. The action plan will include the training. How are we going to release staff for the training? When are we going to do it? And then the staff have to be brought on board. There's communications with the staff, communications with management. And then they get going. And then there has to be the communications and planning for communications with patients and service users. So my job is to just keep that going across the Midwest, across all the different services. At this point, we've 16 services on their MEC journey in the Midwest, and I oversee all of that part. Then there's the implementation side, supporting implementation. But I've also mentioned the training. So we have a training team in the Midwest, different with the training team, because the training team also deliver the training to UL Hospitals Group. Yeah. They look after their own implementation there. So there's a team of trainers who deliver the face to face workshop then. So we have a calendar of training workshops across this year. And we work then, I work with the managers to work out a date that would suit them. So it's all quite planned because we're talking about very busy health professionals who are delivering frontline services. So my job is to make MEC happen, but make it happen in a way that will work for the services as well. So there's really two phases to it. It's the training, planning the training and then the rollout of MEC. Absolutely. Another aspect of my role is then around communications. You don't make change happen without engaging, communicating, keeping the profile of MEC live. Thankfully, there's a lot of work happening nationally. So as Louise mentioned earlier, MEC is written into the National Service Plan. It's much easier to go out selling something like this when it's embedded in all the national documents and all the national policies and strategies as well. Yeah. And Louise, um, just going back to you in terms of that training piece. And as Mo was saying, you put a lot of work in before you spoke to Mo, really. Could you talk to me a little bit about that? Yes, a key enabler for us in relation to the training was having a health promotion and improvement officer designated to assist us in rolling out MEC. 
This was key, I think, in relation to capacity to dedicate time to engage with staff regarding training dates, signing up, attendance, etc. And I suppose the major benefit of that was that we were able to have some closed workshops where it was just my own physio team at the workshops. And the face to face workshops were key really to implementation. All staff were required to complete all modules on the HSE website before attending. And then they were allowed the protected time to role play the scenarios out, to be able to bounce questions off the facilitators. And also when I was present there, I was able to reflect on maybe some of the challenges that some of the therapists would see in implementing it, some of the barriers. And we were able to have a bit of protected time to kind of discuss those out. Yeah. And also form realistic expectations of how we can take key components of MEC and incorporate them into our day to day practice. As Mo was saying, I suppose it's a very challenging time in healthcare. We have therapists that are working really, really hard and have a very dedicated team that are very proactive in taking change on and very responsive to new initiatives coming out. But it is a challenge. And I think one of the key facilitators was having that time with the facilitators to kind of discuss through some of those barriers and facilitators and see what was realistic for us. And I suppose on reflection, we felt that taking two of the key components for us was smoking cessation and physical activity and taking the two of those and trying to embed that into our practice initially. So that was our first steps. Okay. And just going back to the training with staff. What was their reaction initially presenting the opportunity to complete the training? So following on from the in-service that was led by the senior physiotherapist, I suppose I discussed after that in-service with the staff, what would be acceptable to them and what were their thoughts on it? And I suppose there's a real appetite in our team for being proactive instead of reactive. And while I can see that having protected time, while it can be at two to three hours, maybe for a workshop and the modules, that time is time well spent, in my view, in relation to the longer term perspective and really embedding in the skills that you need to change patients' behaviour. I really think that was a key enabler for us. Yeah, very good. Mo, would that be common in terms of the openness and the willingness to complete the training? Have you come across any challenges or... No, there's yeah. a, there's a real willingness to take on MEC. Yeah. The challenges has been more around embedding this in paperwork. Yeah. That's probably been the biggest challenge all along through the learning phase nationally as well. But uh, no, there's a there's huge enthusiasm to do the training and there's been a great openness to making every contact count. I actually found it quite an easy sell, so to speak, and people were quite happy to to do the e-learning and then we've had no problem filling workshops in the midwest we have had targets set for us nationally and last year instead of 100% target reach we were at 350 odd percent so and that is down to the commitment of managers and staff across the midwest community healthcare to making that happen yeah, so it's been it's been OK. Very good. And just to go back to the training program itself, could I just ask you what that involves in terms of the learning program that you talked about? Yeah. First of all, with the training, there are eight modules on HSE land. Yeah. And they are available for anyone who has access to HSE land. That's the national HSE training website. So they're available there. And then after doing the eight modules, they're about a half an hour each. And I'll speak to the topics then. There is an Enhancing Your Brief Intervention Skills workshop. And Louise spoke there about what was a closed workshop and just to explain what that means. In the Midwest and across the country, the Health and Wellbeing Service can organise the training, the face-to-face workshops. There is the option of having what are called open ones. And that means they're open to anyone. Anyone who's eligible can go on to HSE land and register for the workshop. 
What we have found in the Midwest is such is the demand that we've had to manage who can register. And we're focusing on the services that are committing to implementing MEC, not just doing the training. Yeah. So for that reason, we run closed workshops. It surprised me because initially last year when we started out, I was saying to managers, we'll run open workshops for you. You'll be able to release staff at your ease. It'll be Mm. all nicely flexible for Mm. you. And then the likes of Louise came along and said, no, actually, we want closed ones. We want our staff to do it together. And this to be part of the whole making make happen within our service, we'll do it together. So that's why in in the Midwest we have closed workshops. Mm. And can I ask you about that and why you wanted that really? Yeah, due to COVID, a lot of our meetings had reverted to WebEx virtual meetings and it was a time where it was opening up to have our full team present face to face. So that's a key thing to have those discussions together face to face. But one of the other key pieces there really were, I suppose, if you're trying to make change happen, you have to be open to listening to people's feedback and how they feel the implementation phase will go and listening to them about, you know, the challenges that they have in their current day to day practice in terms of documentation and time taken to open up conversations about different elements of their health and well-being and how that will impact our current practice. So I think it's really important to have protected time to listen to that and then also to analyze how we could come around those barriers or come over those barriers and really see what's realistic to kind of implement. You know, they did bring up challenges around perhaps areas of MEC that would clinically maybe not traditionally come under the remit of a physiotherapist. Okay. So we're quite comfortable asking maybe about smoking cessation and physical activity, but yeah. definitely and not in a position of ease in terms of bringing up the conversations around alcohol or drug dependency or mental health. And I think it's important to listen to that. Staff had raised some concerns regarding perhaps the area of mental health and the fact that maybe there may not be appropriate signposting available to particular patients. So for medical card holders, there might be services like the CIPC counselling service, but for non-medical card holders, that may not be open to them. But they may not have been aware of other services that are open to non-medical card holders, which again, like that, conversations would have been had with Mo and her team at that time. A part of that training was to be aware of the signposting and that presented as a barrier. And from those conversations and from the other challenges, I'm sure that the other managers and teams were coming across, Mo put together a signposting leaflet for us in an A4 poster that we could refer to very quickly, instantly in a clinical setting with the relevant information on the service, depending if it was mental health, alcohol, physical activity, all of the elements of MEC at your fingertips. And each of my staff would have them in their health centres. Okay. So that has been key. And did that come out of the workshop or was that? I should have mentioned maybe another aspect of the role as MEC mobiliser and it's written into the national guidance as well. Because part of making every contact count, as Louise said, is being aware of what's available to signpost patients to support them with the behaviour change that they may wish to make. So I would have worked with the team there to identify the key resources. And the feedback from the staff, from HSE staff, was they wanted one pager, one go to document. So we created one for North Tipperary, one for Limerick and one for Clare. And not all paper based. Yeah. It isn't just about giving somebody another leaflet. Of course. So yeah. we veered away from anything to do with leaflets and the written format. That very important. But to actual concrete opportunities, it could be a phone call. It could be a service in the community as near to where people live. Services that we could trust. Services that we knew would be good quality and were accessible to all. So they're all listed in this signposting document. It was released there in February. It'll be up for review in July. It needs to be regularly updated to be of use to the the health professionals. 
and to the public they're serving. And Louise, just getting back to the workshops, what other benefits have you seen from the workshops? Yeah, I think it was really important for staff to have the time to kind of sound out the conversations with the role play, discuss the facilitators and actually clarify with the facilitators that they don't need to assess all the sections of MEC with the patient, but choose one that's most relevant to their presentation and also consider if it's the right timing for that patient as well. This was really key for the staff to take it on board. So the staff would determine if their patient was ready and willing for change. And then kind of proceed with asking the patient for permission or consent to bring forward that conversation. It was also helpful in clarifying that you don't need to be an expert in each of the areas, but you do need to be aware, as I said, about the relevant signposting available to the area discussed. So that kind of gave reassurance, I think, to the staff that they weren't expecting to be an expert in everything and have Mm -hmm. every other discipline's hat on when they're treating a patient. So that was really reassuring. The other key part about the workshops, I suppose, as I moved on through our implementation was that, you know, we will always have staff moving and changing and new staff coming in. So I suppose we've embedded into our clinical induction piece in regarding the online HSC modules and the face to face workshops. So we would always need access to some open workshops to try and get those new staff in and trained up. Yeah. So I think that's key. And we would have had new services developed after we did the closed workshop, uh, like the pulmonary rehab service for chronic disease management. And new staff coming on board there recently would have been able to avail of some of those open workshops and then embedded into their practice which is key if you're treating patients with COPD, yeah. to be really au fait with those behaviour change methods and making every contact count regarding smoking cessation and being very familiar with the signposting available yeah. and even registering, knowing that you can register to refer a patient into the Midwest smoking cessation service, which mm. is a fantastic service we have in the Midwest. And what has the feedback from staff been in terms of the training programme? Yeah, really positive in relation to, I suppose, gaining the new skills and how to phrase those questions. Yeah. In relation to how it's changed our practice, I think a lot of the feedback has been we've been doing this all along, whereas this is more so kind of formalizing it and creating connections with community services and improving our awareness of what's available. I think with the National Service Plan and Shlanta Care, There's been massive initiatives and developments locally in our communities and uh, other collaborations with the HSE. But it's knowing what's available and what's relevant to your patient and what's local. What can they access and what is not going to be an over ask of the patient as well. And a key thing for me really has been building up relationships with those signposting. So I'll give you an example of where we had decided that we were taking the physical activity signposting as a a piece of mech that we really wanted to work on and improve on. So the senior manager in Limerick Sports Partnership and I had met and the health and promotion improvement officer. And we had discussed how we can really build up our relationship in terms of that signposting into community services. Yeah. And as part of that plan, we had organised for their sports development officers to meet us at each of our networks. So I cover four networks in Limerick. Yeah. Along with the network managers. So they were present at each of our network meetings. They got to meet the staff. They got to understand the services that were provided, what programmes were running, how they could access the schedules for those programmes what programs would be appropriate for a particular patient caseload. So that was really good. And face to face, personal contact, you really can't beat that. Yeah, it brings it to life really for the staff members. Yeah. And it embeds them into their mind and makes it more personable. So the other thing that we worked on with that is a pilot on our physical activity signposting. 
where we were able to sit down with the Limerick Sports Partnership and discuss how we can signpost people into a particular service. And I suppose we were very fortunate that year in 2022 that the Moy Ross Enterprise Centre and Limerick Sports Partnership got extra funding for a dedicated sports officer there. And we were able to create a tab on the Limerick Sports website to create a, a port there that we could input with permission of the patient, their name and their contact details. And that officer would contact that person themselves to make them aware of what services would be available to them and what programs would be suitable to them based on their background or maybe their presentation. Uh, it could be lower back pain, shoulder pain, yeah. etc. And that has worked really, really well for us. Now, it was a pilot and it worked really well to the point where for every two patients that were signposted into it, one patient engaged and continued to engage with that program. Yeah. So that has been really beneficial for Very us. Very good. So, Mo, can I ask you what topics are covered in the e-learning program? OK, so the e-learning is eight modules of th about 30 minutes each, and they're all on HSE land. Anyone with access to HSE land can register and do the modules and they're all self-directed. You can do it in your own time. Yeah. So you don't have to do the whole lot at once. You can split it up. You can divide up the modules even. They're 30 minutes, but you can do it in 10 minute chunks. So the first module then is an introduction to behaviour change. So a foundation in behaviour change theory and techniques. And very importantly, it's about a patient-centred approach and introduces what are called the five A's. So there's the five A's of doing brief intervention. This isn't about lecturing people or saying you have to do anything or you must stop doing this or advise, advice. First of all, you're asking permission before raising any topic. So that's the first of the five A's. The other A's then are advise, assess, assist and arrange. So it's very much about checking in. Is it OK to raise a particular topic which are covered? Then suggesting there could be a way of improving your health by looking at this if the patient yeah. wishes. Then assessing people's readiness to change. Then help the person. So this is where it gets proactive. It isn't just about giving information. It's about looking at what can be done or what's available locally and then arranging health. And arranging help can be simply signposting and signposting to something appropriate and something suitable for the patient. So the six modules are talking about smoking, alcohol and drugs, physical activity and then healthy eating. And then the two new modules that were introduced uh, last year in, in 2022 is talking about mental health and well-being. Really, really lovely module. And then talking about overweight and obesity been really positive feedback about the two new modules, all of them, but the two new ones. And then the last module then is looking skills to practice, looking at a range of videos that talk about or show how to carry out a brief intervention to take this structured conversation and working with the patient where they want to be and how far they want to go to maybe consider making behaviour change. Yeah. And Mo, a lot of healthcare professionals, I'm sure, are doing this as part of the routine anyway, but I suppose this really just gives a framework. Absolutely. It is that structured conversation and it's going that bit further. It's about the health professional being aware of what's available. So I might go to a health professional, a nurse or an occupational therapist, and I'm there for one issue. But maybe, maybe I do. It does come up about my smoking. Yeah. And will the health professional be aware there's an amazing service in the Midwest, across the Midwest that can free service, free medication, everything to help the, me quit smoking. So it's about being able to do that. And I do need to say, I suppose there can be a barrier for staff thinking, oh, my God, here we go. We're going to be lecturing patients. Yeah. And then there may be people listening now. They're going, oh, here we go. I'm going to be lectured by my health professional. Yeah. It isn't about lecturing. And 
if we think that there was there has been some research done and there is evidence to say that patients and service users expect to be asked questions by their health professional about their lifestyle. And if they're not asked, they assume there's no problem. Yeah. And then there's research um, when we were preparing for today, you mentioned research that was done that to say that 90 percent of the population do want to make some sort of change. But if no one ever asks me and yeah. no one ever offers me a bit of help, I might never make it. So it's about being aware that most people do want to do something, but they're not quite sure what. But it's the way this conversation is structured. It's very respectful. The first thing is asking permission to talk about it. And that's more than recovered in the training. Yeah. And checking in where people want to go. And it's another barrier that we would have identified around MEC is people don't change. None of us change behaviours. I haven't given up smoking or I haven't reduced my alcohol content or made my diet healthier overnight. Mm. There's a process that happens for any of us to make any change. So it's to respect that. And it mightn't happen immediately, but it might happen somewhere along the way. But the first thing any of us do when we make a change in our behaviour is we think about it. Yeah. And sorry, Louise, just coming to you on that point, we were talking before and you were saying it mightn't be the first time, it could be the second time that you have that conversation that you get through to to a service user. Exactly. So again, feedback from the staff from implementing MEC would be that you really have to be have some emotional intelligence in terms of the right timing with your patient. Yeah. So it may be that the first initial assessment might not be the most appropriate time. Uh, they could be covering from quite a, a significant injury or a fracture, etc., but it may be as they're progressing through their rehabilitation that you feel that the person might be ready physically and mentally and, you know, open and willingness to look at other aspects of their life and their lifestyle behaviours in relation to the longer term perspective. And that's key. And I suppose in terms of embedding it into our practice, we've looked at our documentation and we've um, updated our documentations recently to ensure that we're incorporating those two key aspects of MEC, so smoke cessation and physical activity signposting into our initial assessment. But we've had good discussions about if it's not appropriate at that stage that we would incorporate into our continuation sheets as we're going through our episodes of care and that we would document at that point in time when it's most appropriate, clinically relevant and the patient's in the right space to approach it. And again, we always ask permission to the patient when we bring up a certain elements of mech yeah. and you're always looking for consent to kind of explore that avenue with them. I think yeah. that's really key. And would you have any examples of a positive mech intervention from a staff member? Yeah, so I suppose the feedback from staff is that as part of mech, they're bringing up the conversation and then they're signposting patients in a particular pathway. But we don't really see the true impact of that signposting because a lot of the time our episode of care has seized, I suppose, in a, a shorter interval, say, for example, if someone was recovering from an acute episode of lower back pain. But it's actually on the receiving end of the signposting a pathway that we see the feedback coming back. So that's been really evident in our pilot and our physical activity signposting. And it, it's really important to promote that MEC intervention with your staff because they can hear the positivity coming back. They may not be able to see it because they're yeah. not treating the patient at that time. But to hear coming back is really, really good. And it helps yeah. definitely to sustain the change. Actually, it struck me in episode five of our podcast, The Living Well Programme, 
we spoke to Tommy, a participant of the program who learned of it through an encounter he had with his physiotherapist. Actually, when I was recording that, I, I was thinking about making every contact count. It just shows the power of that interaction. Absolutely. And it is making every contact count. And we would send uh, updates from the Living Well program to all the physio team on a regular basis. And particularly, I suppose, we would have our chronic disease management team, which really for them, it's key to be aware of the schedule of those programs for patients. It's an excellent service. And the feedback has been phenomenal. So it's great. Yeah. And Mo, we know from the 2021 Healthy Ireland survey that during the pandemic, most people drank more and smoked more and it reported a worsening in mental health. But, you know, I think this switched a lot of people on to the importance of their health and well-being and their openness to make change. Absolutely. Yes, it would seem that most people are willing to make a change, but not everyone knows how to. Yeah. It's like I was saying there earlier, change just doesn't happen. Successful yeah. behaviour change doesn't happen without a clear thought out plan of action. And that can be helpful to do with, with somebody and somebody you trust. Normally, when you go to your health professional, there's a trusting relationship there. So it's a good person to work with. At the same time, I recognise, we recognise the health professional is busy. So to have a way of doing that, that keeps it manageable, that keeps it time bound without having to take on other pieces. Louise referred earlier, oh my goodness, does this mean I have to be an expert in everything? Mm. Absolutely not. It's just being able to bring up the topic in, with permission of the of the patient and look at what options might be available as near as possible to where people are living. And I suppose that's really then what making every contact count is about. It's about patients expecting their healthcare professionals to ask them about their lifestyle behaviour in an appropriate, respectful way, of course. Yeah. And secondly, patients knowing that they'll get support from the healthcare professional about their lifestyle behaviour change. So it is that proactive piece. Yeah, very good. Louise, what advice would you give managers who are thinking about implementing MEC? I think the key learning I have had is having a good, comprehensive understanding of the program yourself. Attending the training in the presence of your team is key. Embedding it into your clinical induction. Also creating good working relationships with your health and well-being department um, and your mech mobilizer and health and promotion improvement officers for your networks. It's also, I suppose, key to have some form of embedded into uh, your staff's practice or key objectives. So I would use performance achievement as a means to guide or coach staff to not just attend the training, but also implement it in their practice. So they might set a smart objective around MEC and then outline the steps of how they were going to achieve it. So they might upskill in their training, but they might also link in with their local smoking cessation officer or their health improvement officer. And then they may also ensure that they're completing their documentation. And at the end of your performance achievement, you have the question, what does success look like? So I suppose that kind of feeds into that audit piece. Yeah. So if you were to do a chart audit on your charts, what percentage to say, for example, if you pulled 10 charts, what percentage of your patients did you complete a MEC intervention with? So I would have built that into our performance achievement last year for some of our clinical objectives. And it gets people reflecting on it and how they can actually implement it in practice. And I suppose that's the key concept in our CPD yeah. as well. The other uh, key things for me really is becoming aware as a manager of the signposting available and building up the relationships with all of the stakeholders involved. There'll be some services supplied by HSE organisations, yeah. but also other external agencies that are working in collaboration with the HSE. And it's important to meet those people in person. 
And it's important to build up the relationships so that you have a constant flow of kind of updates of what's available. And then as manager, you can share that with your team. You can add it to as an agenda item to your clinical team meeting so that it's brought up and it's updated on a regular basis. And it again, allows an avenue for it to be kind of discussed and for feedback to be given. I suppose a key enabler for us in the physical activity space has been the physical activity for health officer post that has been recently funded and with Limerick Sports Partnership. So that's a dedicated post that will link with the HSE in relation to how we can work collaboratively together on the physical activity signposting. So I see that as a key enabler as well in this whole process, just as a manager. Okay, so the training is really the start. The training is a start and we started this back in summer of 2021 and I would say that we're still at the early stages really of our implementation and it does take time and change takes time and it takes people time to come on board and get an understanding of it. And we have to understand that we have so many other significant challenges to face in relation to our service that may, may not be number one priority, but it is that principle that you have to be spending some dedicated time in your practice and your management time on looking forward to the future and in health promotion and being proactive rather than reactive. Yeah, because ultimately this is about reducing chronic disease. In the longer term, yeah. absolutely. Which longer can term only picture. help in terms of alleviating waiting times. Absolutely. Not so much a quick win, but yeah. definitely a long-term success. Yeah, very good. And Mo, for anyone interested in MEC, what advice would you give? MEC is about all healthcare staff recognising their role and the opportunities they have in day-to-day practice to raise the issue of health behaviour change. And as I said earlier, in a supportive and empowering way. And the help is there for health professionals. So the first port of call is, as Louise said, the e-learning. That is available on HSE land. It's talking to your manager if you're not a manager about, very much like Louise said earlier, there was a staff member who, who went away and did the research, made the pitch to the team very successfully. So it's about bringing about that championing, if you like, being that friend of MEC in your service. To ask the question, here's MEC, this is the right thing to do for chronic disease prevention, for managing chronic disease. We can't keep relying on the hospital as the answer. We need to look at other opportunities and other resources that are in the community and the resources people have themselves to prevent chronic disease. So it is about talking to your colleagues. It is about the e-learning and then looking at how to make make happen in your service. You can go onto the HSE website. There's a whole section there dedicated to making every contact count. There's all the resources for implementation, communications, the signposting documents that have been created around the country are all available there on the site. And of course, you can talk to your health and well-being staff and the health and well-being division. There's one and each health and well-being division has a MEC mobilizer and there all the contact details are on the website. Very good. And I, for me, I think one of the takeaways today is it's really important to develop that rapport between your mobilizer and manager and manager. Absolutely. And that's very clear. You have that rapport together. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's been good to have the time to build up the relationship and work on the project together as well. And I think that's something very important you said, Louise, like the question people have been asking is how long does this take? And there yeah. could be an expectation in the public, oh, this can just happen. Mm. It can't just happen if we're really serious about sustainable change, making this part of how we do business. There is a process. We thought maybe six months, then we 
thought maybe eight months. When I said that to Louise, even this morning, she kind of laughed, really. <laughs> but yeah. but it's worth it. It's worth taking the time. And we've all the guidance and all the support from the national team and from the local teams. And we're building up expertise the whole time in practice. This is the really interesting bit. We're really trying it out now. And we're keeping all that learning and sharing that learning with other services. There's been exceptional learning from Louise's team, which has helped us help other services. So it keeps getting better and better. It's very exciting. Yeah, well, I could keep talking to you about this, but unfortunately, we've <laughs> come to the end of this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Mo Foley and Louise Crowley. If you'd like more information about the Making Every Contact Count training program or any aspect of MEC, or would like to contact the MEC team, visit www.makingeverycontactcount.ie for more details. This has been HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.